we're going to read down through verse 20, in verse 21. And uh, so uh, let's, let's read here. The Bible says this, And I myself am also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through many mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and that they have not heard shall understand. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for the privilege you give us to be in the house of God this evening. Lord, to share the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, touch our bodies. Uh, Lord, physically, you know, Lord, God, where we stand in need of that tonight. And God, I pray you'd, Lord, just ever magnify yourself, Lord, through the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, help us, Lord, to see, Father, Lord, God, Lord, uh, what the Word of God has for us tonight. God, I pray for the many prayer requests that was made. Lord, I pray for the revival coming up. And Lord, I pray, God, oh, how we need revival. God, how I need a revival, Lord. And God, I pray that you would touch me and help me. And God, revive me. Lord, I pray for protection, God, of the health of our church. God, physically, Lord, I pray that you'd keep the sicknesses at bay. And God, those that are sick, I pray that you would heal. And Lord, I pray there would nothing, God, Lord, hinder. God, Lord, the work that you're trying to do for us, through us, and with us, Lord, in Jesus' name I humbly pray. Amen. Look at verse 13, and we talked, or, uh, we, or in verse 13, we talked about our loading. And in verse 14, Paul here is writing, and he's, I've, I'm titled this, and if you're taking notes in, through this chapter, outlining it, or it's led to believe. He's led to believe in verse number 14. And he said, I myself am also, I, I, and I myself also am persuaded of you. He's been led to believe. And I, I wonder why he said this, I've been led to believe. Well, as I've got to study him this today, go to Romans chapter number 1. And I, I never knew this, and I'm thankful that God reveals new things to me, and other people may have known this, and... Other people, I mean, I, as I kept reading, I found other writers that had uh, attributed to this, but I had never seen this, didn't really know it. But to the best of our accountability of the Scriptures, Paul had never been to Rome. Okay? He was not writing to a church that he started. He was writing to a church that he had heard about. Look in verse number 8. 
In verse number 8, he said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, if by any means now at length of time I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the end, that ye may be established. And here in Romans 15, he said, I've been led to believe, I'm persuaded. He's been led to believe that, and their their testimony to the world is that your faith has been heard throughout the world. And I remember us talking about that when we were, when we first started. Man, what a testimony of a church. That throughout the world, your faith is heard of. Not your works, not your ministries, not your preacher, not your music problem, but your faith is heard of throughout the world. Man, what a commendation that would be. But he, as he's writing here to them, and he says, I, I, I'm writing you, and I've, I, I've let, been led to believe by the testimony that's been spoken of you, that you are full of goodness, and you've been filled with knowledge. And he says, because of that, that you're able also to admonish one another. Now, this is a word and a practice that we really do not like to participate in. We don't want anyone admonishing us. Most people can't handle the preacher admonishing them much less their brothers and sisters in Christ. But Paul says this, and he's not talking about being critical, and he's not talking about being judgmental, and the word admonish means to counsel against wrong practices. Paul is writing here to this church, and he said, I've been led to believe that because of your testimony and your faith and your knowledge, that, you are, that you're able to admonish one another, that you're spiritual enough, you're mature enough, You've been filled with all knowledge. You've been filled with the goodness of God that there's righteousness exhibited in your life lifestyle. That's what he's talking about. You've been filled with the righteousness or the goodness. It means the righteousness in your lifestyle. And you've been filled with knowledge in that you're able to admonish one another. What he's saying there is this. He, is, he says you are at a spiritual part and you're spiritual mature enough and you're spiritual, uh, have enough spiritual discernment and enough spiritual intellect that you ought to be able to go Go to your brother and say, Brother Green, I really think that you might want to think about that or reconsider that action. That's counsel with warning. I mean, we don't even like the preacher to do it for us. Much less a brother or sister in Christ. Right? How how are you going to feel? Brother... I really don't think you need to be doing that. Who are you, my judge? You're probably right. <laughs> Who made you judge? Who gave you the right to tell me what I should and shouldn't be doing? According to that Bible. Amen. That Bible does. But he says that in all goodness and righteousness that you're able to admonish. And that word admonish means to, to counsel in love. It doesn't mean to be arrogant. It doesn't mean to be boastful. It doesn't mean to be 
vindictive or to show your spirituality that you're more spiritual than others. And sometimes that's where we've got offended at others because, you know, they, they think that they're God and that they have the, they're so spiritual that they can be everybody's warden. Okay? You, you've met people like that. But that's not what he's talking about. He said you're filled with knowledge and, 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 spirit, and goodness. Now look at Colossians chapter 3, this word admonish. Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. My oldest children has reached a point in their life that I have to choose my words wisely when I try to help them. And I, I have to give them counsel and I, it's admonishment. And, I, and I, the Lord has helped me and I say this to them now. I'm saying this to you because I love you. I'm not trying to be hard on you. And I'm not trying to keep you from living the life that you want to live. But I, if, I, if I allow you to continue to do this, then I don't love you. Because what these actions that you're doing is leading you to a road of destruction. They're, you know, when they're, when they're younger, you could say, okay. But now when they become adults, you have to handle them different. And I'll be honest with you, I thought two and three-year-old was bad. And then I thought teenager was bad. And I, God's blessed me with some good kids. I, I, I don't, I'm not, I, I'll stand before God and say that you, and I'll even say it to them. God's blessed me with some good kids. But this young adult years, oh my soul. There's too many adults in my home. <laughs> and that's where we have to admonish them. But we are to we do we admonish, and I go back to say that admonish because we love them, and we ought to admonish our brothers and sisters in Christ because we love them, not because we're playing the Holy Ghost in their life. Does that make sense? So, look in this Colossians chapter three, verse number sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, verse 16, teaching and admonishing, who's that? One another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 14. And remember, he's writing to the church and not the pastor. Verse 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are, what? Unruly. Who's he talking about? Lost people? No. Church people. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, 
be patient toward all men. He says, I'm, I, well, you need to exhort them, but you need to admonish them. That's what that word warn means, to counsel against wrong practices in their life. I, I think what you're doing is hurting you. And I'll be honest with you, I have said that to, and I've learned this in my ministry. And it seems that the longer time goes on, the more unacceptable it is. I have had people leave the church because I came to them with something they were doing in their life that was bringing harm to them and was all fixing to bring harm to their family in the church. And I'm not talking about here. It's never happened here. But I've had people leave the church that I was pastoring. And they said, what gives you the right to tell me how I to live my life? That Bible? Now, I'm not to be a ruler or a dictator. And you're not. And there again, I understand. You've got to have balance here and you have to admonish them. And that's done in love. And that's not being, well, I think you ought to act like this. I think you ought to do this. I think you'd be good for you to be... You're trying to make your, there's a difference in you trying to make yourself look better and them look worse. Or you're going to them in love and compassion and care for their well-being and the church's well-being. Okay? So, that's what he said. And he says, I've heard of you and I've been led to believe that you're spiritually mature enough. You've been filled with all goodness and all knowledge that you're mature enough to do this. And I encourage you to do that. Okay? I told you that was something that we don't want to hear and we, we really don't want to practice it. And we sure don't want it practiced on us. <laughs> look at the liability. Why? Why, why, is he, why? Because look at his liability here. Look at, go back to Romans chapter number 15. And notice what he says. And you say, well, preacher, that was real bold. Paul knew it was bold because notice what he says. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written written the more boldly unto you. I mean, verse 15, in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. He says, I'm able to say this boldly unto you because God has called me. And put me in the position to speak this unto you. I know it's bold. But he says, I'm putting you because of the grace of God that's been given to me, he says. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. In another place, he talks about the grace of God that has put him into, a, put him into the ministry. Notice, he said, look in... He, he's got a liability here because of his call. Well, let me read 16 and let's, and let's, look, to, let's look to Jesus and then we'll look, look back. No, let's just stay right where we are. Hold on. He said, I'm responsible to remind you because that's the position God's given me. And he says, I'm liable for you. I was having a discussion this week with one of my children and I said, the reason being is... Right now, you live under my roof. And right now, 
you need to understand that as long as you live under my roof, when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, I'm liable for you. Now, when you walk out that door and you start your own life, I'm not liable for you no more. And Paul says, I'm liable because of the position that God's given me and because I'm liable to you, that you're a liability to me because I'm going to stand and give an account at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to speak to you boldly because I'm liable for you. And I want you to understand that I'm doing this because I love you. But I also, he, he says, I'm not just liable to you. He says, that where he says, nevertheless, brethren, I have written unto you. And he goes on in verse number 16. He says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Ephesians 3, 7, Paul said, Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me. He, Paul says, I am liable to God who counted me faithful according to 1 Timothy. He said that he counted me faithful by putting me into the ministry. Paul says, I am liable to him that's called me into this ministry. I have a responsibility to uphold that calling that he's but that his grace has given unto me. So therefore, one, I have a liability to you as a church to speak boldly unto you or write boldly unto you, but I have a liability to the one who called me by his grace and put me into the ministry to be tell what he won't said. Okay? Does that make sense? Then he says this, he says to the gospel. He said that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God. The church's focus, the preacher's focus should always be on the gospel. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's more than any humanitarian effort. That's more than helping people. Okay? Benevolence. The goal of the church, the aim of the church, he says, ought to be the gospel. Everything that the church does ought to be affiliated with the gospel. I think humanitarian programs are great. Food banks, great. Much needed. We support the food bank in a thing of North Georgia. We, we support them every month. They come to the farm, we load them up with eggs, and we support them. Humanitarian efforts, okay? I thought, well, I support that. I, su- I don't have a problem with churches having food banks. But God forbid a church to have a food bank and not give the gospel... When that family comes through the food bank, I don't have a problem with I don't I don't have a problem with going and and helping out in different minute different areas the the uh, the the uh, pro life clinic up here I don't have a problem with that but if they're not giving them the gospel I have a problem with it because the church's main focus and main goal is to be the gospel a preacher's preaching ought to be the gospel. 
Paul says, I'm a minister and I'm liable to you to speak boldly unto you. I'm liable to him that counted me faithful and by his grace put me into the ministry. And he says, I'm liable to the gospel, the story, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He says, I have a liability. When we realize that we are his ministers, it gives us more boldness to speak the truth of the gospel. Because it's not about us, it's about him. And so often, and I'm honest, it's it's hard because the position that God has put me, excuse me, in as a pastor, and the love that he has put in my heart for you. And thank God for that. I'm honest. But sometimes it's hard for me not to let my personal feelings and love for you cause me to compromise on the gospel. Okay? Because it's not about you. <laughs> it is. But in the, in the long run, Paul said, it's about you, but it's about me. But most of all, it's about it, the gospel. And so there's a balance to this thing of admonition. And that Paul is saying, I'm, and Paul's admonishing them here. And he's also given us an example of how to admonish somebody else. One, because we're liable one to, one to another. Okay? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're liable. Okay? We have a right. We're to exhort one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. Okay, so I'm liable to encourage you. The Bible says that we're to bear one another's burdens. So guess what? I'm liable to bear your burdens. We, we, we seen there the warning that we're to warn those that are unruly, that we are to strengthen them that are feeble. So we're liable one to another. Okay? And I... So... It's not just about us as individuals. It's about us as a whole. But the main thing is, it's about that Word. And so he says, uh, there's a liability in this thing that we need to take consideration of. He says, notice here, he, he, he limited his... He limits his glory. He speaks of his liability in verses 15 and 16. But then he begins to limit his glory. And if you want to see this in verse 16, I read this and I just seen it again. It was brought back to my attention. Lord, You see the Trinity in verse 16. Okay, It's not just Jesus that he's liable to. He says, or that he's a minister to. You see the minister of Jesus Christ. You see that? There's Jesus Christ ministering the gospel of God. There's God the Father. That the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. There's the Trinity. All three of them. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost in that verse. Okay. So, now let's go on to verse 17. I have, there, uh, therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He said... I have things that I can glory of because of what God's done for me and God's done through me. Now notice what he says. 
For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me. He limits of His glory. Paul said this, he said, God forbid, he wrote the church at Galatians, he said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ. So often today we find ourselves glorying in things like the church at Corinth. They gloried in their wealth. They gloried in their luxuries of life. All the while there was sin in their camp. And Paul says, your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. They were glorying in their selves, and they were glorying in their, and, and their riches and their, and their luxuries of life. Remember, they were the most carnal church at that time. And Paul says, your glorying is not good because you're glorying in the wrong things. And so often in our lives as Christians, we glory in the wrong things. And Paul says, I've seen God do a lot of things. And I've been a part of God doing a lot of things. We're going to see, look down, let me just go ahead and give you this. Look in verse number 19. That there where it says, and so that from Jerusalem and roundabout until Illyricum. Y'all see that in the middle of the verse? That's 10 years. One writer says 1,500 miles of travel. Another man that I study after said 10,000 miles of travel. Okay? Paul says, I've done being in this thing 10 years, and whether I've traveled 1,500 miles or I've traveled 10,000 miles. He said, I've seen God do a lot of things. He said, I'm not going to glory in that. I'm just going to glory in God. Now notice what he says here. He says... I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me. He limits His glory to through Jesus, but He leaves off things that's not of Christ. Okay? He says, I won't speak. Notice what He says. I will not dare to speak of any things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. He said, I won't speak about what I've heard. I won't speak about what others have told me. I won't speak of my past accomplishments. I won't speak about brother so-and-so, and he said this in the next in the next city over, the next church over. I won't speak of how Peter used to do it. I won't speak of how so-and-so did it. I won't speak of what I have heard. He said, and I'll only speak of what I know And I'll speak of what Christ has allowed me to experience. There's a lot of preachers today that gain from that. He says, I'll only speak of what God has done for me and through me. You get to listen to preachers and they get to talking about what God's doing through other preachers. What God's doing through other ministries. And what God has done in the past. And it's okay to remember all that. But what's God done for you? What's God doing? And and I'm I'm, I'm the preacher preaching to the preacher. But as I sat there today and I thought about, you know... Well, you know, I used I, I preached with brother so and so in the camp meeting, and I used to. You've heard people give introductions like that. 
You know, I know brother so-and-so, me and brother so-and-so, we go way back. That has nothing to do with glorifying Christ. Paul says, I, I'm not preaching, I'm not talking about another man. And it's okay to, 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 to honor men. But when we're so hung up in not preaching the truth and taking the most valuable time that we have, why? Because we're liable, I'm liable to him, okay? And he says, I'm going to leave off some things. I'll only speak of what's done for me and through me. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. You have Schofield Bible, page 1237. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reach not unto you. For we are, we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors. But having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Paul says, I'm not going to talk of other men's works. I'm going to build, and we're going to look, he said, I'm not going to build upon another man's foundation. He said, I'm giving you the reason that I come to you in boldness is because I'm preaching to you and writing to you what God is telling me to write to you. And the only thing that I'm going to write to you and the only thing that I'm going to tell with, share with you is what Jesus has done for me and through me. And so he is, now look in verse number 19, go back. You say, what did God do through Paul? Well, as I said, he... Ten years, even if he preached 1,500 miles journey. He even had a desire to go to Spain at the end of the book. We don't know that he ever got there. But you do realize that he went up, His, if you study his roundabout thing, he's writing to Italy here. Okay? He's writing to the church at Rome. Rome was in Italy. All right? And you see his travel around through there. And you see the the, co- the coastal regions that he went through. And there, as he went through preaching, you and I got to hear the gospel because of the Apostle Paul. Okay? So, look at here, he says, verse number 19, he says, Hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Y'all see that in verse number 18? All right, notice that comma at the end of number 18. It's a continual sentence in verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. 
The Bible said in Acts chapter number 19, verses 11 and 12, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Okay? Now understand, the signs were given for a time. Until that which is perfect is coming, that which part shall be done away with. The signs that are going on now are signs of the enemy, and we're not going to get into that. There's, the signs are these, these preachers that are preaching signs and miracles today that they're doing. Is, the Bible calls it works of the Antichrist, okay? Works of Satan. That Antichrist will be practicing those wonders, okay? I'll never forget, and I shared this with you. I was in a meeting one time on a Saturday, and so and so, the the lady said, "Well, so and so couldn't be here because she went to to uh, uh, she went to hear what some another woman I don't know preach or went to her. It wasn't I don't know what she called it. She said, but she God's given her the gift of healing, and." She's going because she's had a titanium rod in her leg for the last five years, and that woman can do that, do away with that metal in that leg. I'm like, and I, I wanted to say, really? But I'm telling you, you watch and there, and you listen, and there are preachers today in the name of Christ, that are preaching signs and wonders. And Paul, God did do miracles by Paul, but when the apostles left, the signs left. There are gifts of healing today, but there's not a man that can do it. If there was, then why are they hospitals? And if he was really called of God and he really loved people and he could heal people, why did why is the church not supporting him going to every hospital and every state and every nation healing them people? I had a missionary tell me one time and he swore of it. He said, yeah, he said, I was in Africa. And it was a man on a mission trip. He wasn't a missionary. He's a man on mystery. He said, yeah, I was an African. He said, I watched that boy. He said, I watched that man touch that other, that young boy. And, uh, and he said, uh, his arm grew back. I, I'm serious. They, I'm, they are people. You, I bet you money. There is people in your circle of family. That if you if that if you if I mentioned this, they call me a liar. And if you said that they whoever they was following was wrong, it caused World War Three in your family. Amen. And Paul says, I've wrought miracles, but I'm not even going to talk to you about that. He says, God done. He said, I will not dare speak of anything which Christ has not wrought by me. By word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. He said, I'm just going to speak of Christ. But he says this, notice what he says. He says, notice what it says here. uh, Through the mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Remember, and I I use this verse in my prayer, and I'm closing. i got three more things and I'll be done. I use this when I pray because I really mean that. Where Paul said over there to the church of Corinth, he said, In my speaking and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and of power. And Paul says, when I, when I preach, he said, it's by and through the Spirit. 
And when I preach, that's my desire. That it not be enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Because guess what? My words are not going to help you. But the Spirit of God speaking through me can help you. And the Spirit of God speaking through me can even help you wade through these muddy waters that I'm messing up tonight. Okay? So, he's the working of the Spirit. Then we, seen the, we see the length of His work, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I want you to notice that. He says, I have fully preached. Fully. You know what that means? He left nothing out. He didn't skip verses because they were hard. There's been a lot of verses I want to skip through this book of Romans. I'm just going to be honest with you. Ah, we'll just skip them. That'd be good. I can't handle that. That's going to make everybody mad. That's going to make everybody uncomfortable. He says, I preached it fully. And you know what the, you know what the world needs today? Some fully preaching. Don't, don't pick and choose. Don't, and that's why I like preaching in series. Here's the reason. If it's coming out when it's line by line, it's not of my choosing. It's of His. And if it affects you, then it's coming at the right time. It's not my personal opinion. Well, I think they need to hear this today. Praise God. I'll go in and I'll straighten that crowd out. You, you understand what I'm saying? When you, when you go, when you follow it line by line, chapter, verse by verse, here, the Bible, and the Bible speaks of that. He says that in Isaiah 28, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. He says that they might go and fall, and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. He says, the Word of God is to be line upon line, and precept upon precept. Paul says, I preach fully. You don't want to know what my heart's desire as your pastor is in my preaching? That I preach fully unto you. And if you like it, fine. If you don't like it, fine. It's not personal because remember, it's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about him. And Paul says, I, I, I'm preaching, I preach fully the gospel of Christ. I, I've not held it back. I've not said, okay, well, I'm not going to preach that because that might offend this crowd. Or I'm not going to preach that because it might, might not help this crowd over here. He said, I preached it fully. We see the load of his preaching. It was fully preached. He left nothing out. The labor to the lost, verse number 20. He says, Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named. Now, first of all, his labor to the lost was it was his labor. Notice what he said. He said, I strived to preach the gospel. That means to work. You strive at something, it means you're working at it. But notice what he said here. He said, I wasn't going to build upon the labor of others. He said... Not where Christ, I, I preach where not Christ was named. 
Not where Christ was named. Lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Now understand this. What he's saying is this. He says, I'm a missionary evangelist. I go in and I preach where others not. That's not me. That's not my calling. Okay? I'm not a church planner. There are those out there. And they're needed. Okay? And every, every man has his proper gift. And some are particularly suited to find or build or establish churches. And others are more suited to edify them and comfort them and keep them going down the road. And that's what I am. I'm a pastor. I don't have the heart of an evangelist. Now, I ought to have the heart for the lost. Okay? Because remember, the main goal of any church ought to be reach the lost. But here's my thing. I see my job. Does it give me, and when I say this, does it bypass my liability to the lost? But my job is to strengthen and edify you for you to go out. And be a witness to the lost. Does that make sense? And everybody, God gives different men different callings. And this was Paul's calling. And he said, I I don't like building upon the labor of others. He said, because when I I, want to build upon my own foundation or the foundation that Jesus laid. And the Bible says there's no other foundation laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus. But he said, "I, I don't like building upon another." Man, I'm closing. I'm rambling. It's hard to build upon another. Takes time. I come into your house. You've had established ways. You've done things different than I would have done it. You had a different attitude and mindset about some things than I had originally. And... But you are now beginning to take on my personality because of my teaching and my preaching. Everybody's not cut out for that. There was a foundation that's laid and some people just want to come in and knock all the walls out and start from scratch and start all over. I've been there. It's called having a lot of zeal and not a lot of wisdom. I lasted about a year. <laughs> Maybe 18 months. Okay? Why? Because my heart was not in the right place. I didn't, I was trying to find my area of service. But see, like when I came here, and over the years, God developed these things in my heart. And I'll be honest with you, I've shared this with you before, I didn't want to come here. I wrestled with it. And then I was mad because God wasn't sending me here. I'm like, Lord said, you guess where you're going? I'm like, I ain't going there. Lord said, that's where you're going. I'm like, no, Lord, you don't understand. And then that day in June, I drove by and tears come down my face. And I'm like, Lord, why am I crying? And then July passed. My name wasn't on the sign. Somebody else's was. And every time, every week, I'd drive by and somebody else named me. And I'm like, Lord, I thought I was going there. 
Why not? Why not preach it? Why are you putting him up there? I thought I was going there, Lord. And then when I came, and this is what he told me. Y'all remember that that Sunday morning? It was the second. I don't remember if it was the first Sunday morning of Sunday school or second Sunday morning school. On Psalms twenty-three. On the shepherd. And this is what God told me when I walked out the steps. He said, Every sheep needs a shepherd. Amen. And some pastors are shepherds, some preachers are shepherds. And some are evangelists. Okay? And some are builders. But Paul said, My labor is not been upon another man's foundation. Do you realize how many foundations this church has been established and the foundation has been Jesus Christ? But do you realize 52 years old, and I don't know how many pastors, but do you know that through all of those pastors, there's, there's a foundation that's been built upon? Okay? And it's not all been bad. It's not all bad. It's more good than bad. And there's some things that had their taste and their preference. And it may not be my taste and my preference. But there's a foundation and instead of destroying it, and I'm talking, I'm just being pastor now. I build, I, I build upon somebody else's foundation, but that was not Paul. He said, I don't have the patience. He said, I, I want to build my own foundation. I want to lay the foundation. I want to build the building. I want to know the work. And he says, then that next verse, Isaiah 52, he said, but as it's written, talking about the eyes seen, the logos came true, or the word. He said, the Gentiles seen him through my preaching. So, anyway, as I said, if y'all can sort out that muddled waters tonight. <laughs> Y'all doing a whole lot better than me. But God bless you. I love you. I'm glad.